Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and said to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not know the Scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels, white, sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they've taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now when she'd said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, Teacher. And this is the fa- my favorite part. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. And go to my brethren and say to them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she'd seen the Lord and that He'd spoken these things to her. Amen. Hallelujah.
death that claimed its victory. King of love had given up his life. The darkest day in history. There on a cross they made for sinners. For every curse his blood atoned. The final breath it was finished. But not the end we could have known. Will the earth begin to shake? And the veil was torn. Oh, what sacrifice was made as the heavens rose.
give you all the glory. We give you the preeminence this day. There's no God greater than you. So we humble ourselves before our King. And we lift our voice and sing praises to the risen one. Praises to God's only Son who gave His life for us and shed His blood that our sins might be cleansed. We worship You. We glorify You. And we honor You this day. And all God's people shouted, He's alive! Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Just a few quick announcements. Tuesday night at 6, Patriots United. Wednesday night at 7, our regular midweek service. Uh, and next Sunday at 10 a.m. is our regular Sunday service. Uh, on April Sunday, April 30th, we're going to have a men's night from 4 to 7. We'll give you more details of that next week. But there is a sign-up sheet in the back. If you're interested in attending, we would appreciate that you would sign up so we can get a count of people. Sometimes when we bring our tithes and offerings, well, really every time, we just, I think we just need to do it in an attitude of thanksgiving for all that he's done for us, for how blessed we are. So I just want to read one portion of scripture, and then we'll receive this morning's tithes and offerings. From Psalm 100, it says, Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. If you need an envelope, they're in front of you. Ushers, you may go ahead and receive this morning's tithes and offerings. done for us. You know, some of you think I'm such a tough guy and rough around the edges, but I'm not. When it comes to my Jesus, I can cry. Amen? And I worked real hard on Good Friday's message. I'm not going to throw anything today. If you were here, I scared a few of the sheep. But the Spirit of God spoke to me specifically 
to tell you something today. So I want you to leave today knowing what's in you. Amen? Back in the 80s, I don't remember, or the early 90s, I was standing at our old house at 209 South Pine, and the house shook, and the window in front of me just vibrated like this. I mean, it, I've, I've never experienced it. How many have ever experienced an earthquake? Well, California. Yeah, that go, go figure. Come to find out there was a, uh, what did we say? Anhydrous ammonia plant blew up. Now, some of do you remember that? Some of you don't even remember. Sioux City, Iowa. About 75 miles away. And what happened there affected Norfolk, Nebraska. That's nothing in comparison on the resurrection day of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so I want to talk to you about resurrection power this morning. Amen? In Matthew 27, if you want to turn there, you can. And then I'm going to give you some information about earthquakes. Matthew chapter 27 and verse 45. I'm going to read a few verses here then from chapter 28. It says, Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. Now, interesting, when you look at land, when you think of the darkness and you think of the earthquakes that occurred at the time, you think, oh, it just happened around Jerusalem. No, it happened the whole earth. The whole earth shook. Darkness over the whole earth. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is my God. My God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood there when they heard that said, This man is calling for Elijah. Immediately one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with the sour wine, put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink. And the rest said to him, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. That's interesting. And the earth quaked, and the rocks were split, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after His resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. And so when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. Now, that's the crucifixion. Now look at chapter 28. It says, now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb, and behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came down and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guard shook for fear of him and became like dead man. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He's risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay and go quickly and tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead and indeed he's going before you into Galilee, there you will see him. Behold, I've told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. Now, the Greek scholar uh, Rick Renner takes Greek words and he gives us, he explains this, and I want to read this to you. He said, Jesus' death was such a dramatic event that even the earth reacted to it. Matthew 27:51 says the earth did quake and the rocks rent. The word earth is the word in the Greek GES, the same word seen in verse 45 and describes the whole earth. 
The word quake is the Greek word sizo, which means to shake, to agitate, or create a commotion. It is where we get the word for seismograph, the apparatus that registers the intensity of an earthquake. It is interesting, now listen to this. It is interesting to know that Oregon, the early Christian leader, recorded that there were great earthquakes at the time of Jesus' crucifixion. I find it so amazing that although Israel rejected Jesus and the Roman authorities crucified Him, creation always recognized Him. During His life on this earth, the waves obeyed Him. Water turned to wine at His command. Fishes and bread multiplied at His touch. The atoms in water solidified so He could walk across it, and the wind ceased when He spoke to it. So it should come as no surprise that Jesus' death was a traumatic event for creation. You've got to stop and think. He was the Creator. His Word went, went forth and created everything. Amen? It says, uh, The earth shook, trembled, shuddered at the death of its Creator, for it, for it instantly felt its loss. The earth shuddered so violently when Jesus died that even the rocks rent. The word rocks is Petra, referring to large rocks. The other word that could have been used for rocks is the word lithos, which means small stones. But Matthew tells us that huge, large rocks were rent by the shaking of the earth. The word rent in the Greek means to rend, to tear so violently, to tear asunder, or to terribly fracture. This was a serious earthquake. It makes me realize all over again the incredible significance of the death of Jesus Christ. Then, as far as His res resurrection He goes, he states this in Mark 16, And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came onto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun, and they said among themselves, Who shall roll away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. Ignorant of the fact that the tomb couldn't legally be opened, the women proceeded to the tomb for the purpose of anointing Jesus' body. As they drew near to the garden where the tomb was located, they wondered among themselves who would remove the stone. However, in Matthew 28, 2, it says, And behold, there was a great earthquake. The earthquake didn't occur at the time when the women approached the tomb. Rather, it occurred simultaneously with the moment of Jesus' resurrection sometime after the Saturday sunset and before the women arrived at the garden. When describing the magnitude of the earthquake, Matthew uses the word behold. In Greek, this is the word I-D-O-U. The King James Version translates it, Behold, but in our day it might be better translated, wow. Everyone say, wow. This word carries the idea of shock, amazement, and wonder. So when Matthew says, and behold, there was a great earthquake, quake, he literally means, well, wow, can you believe it? The word in the Greek carries this idea, woo, listen to the amazing thing that happened next. Although Matthew writes his gospel many years after the fact, he still experiences amazement when he thinks of this event. Matthew tells us there was a great earthquake. The word great, great in the Greek means mega, leaving no room for doubt as to the magnitude of this event. The word mega always suggests something huge, massive, or enormous. The word earthquake in the Greek, the word seismos, which I've told you already, is a literal, literal earthquake. Just as creation shook when its creator died on the cross, now the earth exploded with exaltation at the resurrection of Jesus. So that kind of gives you an idea. You might not have experienced an earthquake before, but there was a lot of power demonstrated on that day. Amen? Now, how does this apply to you and I? Look at Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. And I'll tell you, I, I failed to tell you earlier, if you've got little ones and they're fussy, you're more than welcome to go back to the nursery or go to the fellowship hall. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10. Let me read this to you. It's 
the Apostle Paul, you know the verse well, he states that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to His death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. The Amplified says it this way, listen, for my determined purpose is that I may know Him that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with Him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of His person more strongly and more clearly, that I may in the same way come to know the power outflowing from His resurrection which it exerts over believers. Let me read to you from Jeremiah. You don't need to turn there, but let me read this to you. And I, I, wrote, I read that Scripture because I want you to understand, a lot of believers and a lot of Christians get excited about the power of God. They want to see things happen. The early disciples, they saw things in the natural. But the most important thing is knowing Him. He says, that I might know Him and the power of His resurrection. Listen, if you know Jesus, you know power. For Jesus is, the Scripture says, the power of God. So if you and I will spend time in getting to know Jesus, sooner or later, you're going to experience His supernatural power. But Paul knew the knowing was so important. Jeremiah, it says, Let not the wise man glory in wisdom. Let, the not, let not the mighty man glory in might. Nor let the rich man glory in his riches. That's what the world is interested in. Amen? But let him who glories, glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord exercising loving kindness, judgment and righteousness in the earth, for in these I delight, says the Lord. So do you see what we need to work on, folks? In the days ahead, we're going to see some exciting things happen. But if you and I will just draw near to Him, He'll draw near to us. We'll get to know Him more intimately. See, what will happen, our character will be developed. The fruit of the Spirit of the character, fruits of the Spirit. And if we can develop that on the inside, then we'll see some things happen on the outside. Amen? Let me read to you Mark chapter 3, verse 13. It says, And he went up on the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted. Now listen. And they came to him. Then he appointed twelve. Now listen that they might be with Him. Say, be with Him. That they might be with Him and that He might send them out to preach and to have power or authority to heal sickness and to cast out demons. But what happened first? They were with Him. They were with Him. Every day you and I need to be with Him. Look at Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1 and verse 18. I pray these prayers every day. I invite you to do the same because it will help ground you in the Word. He says this, the Apostle Paul says, the, he prays, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of His calling and what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. Now listen, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power towards us who believe according to the working of His mighty power which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, and that every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Rick Renner says this, 
concerning the word power. And there are different words for power, but we're looking at, looking at dunamis. Since the word power is from the well-known Greek word dunamis, which describes power or ability. But very often in classical Greek, the word dunamis was also used to depict, now this is really good, the assembled forces of an army whose combined strength enabled them to achieve unrivaled victories. These troops were so strong they simply could not be resisted. But in addition, we find in classical Greek and in the is the word dunamis can also be described the power that is inherent in certain aspects of nature. For example, the power in a hurricane would be described as dunamis power because it is a power so mighty that it is impossible to resist or impossible to fight. So when Paul used these three words, exceeding greatness of his power, to describe the power of God that works in us, he was piling image on top of image to show how overshooting and irresistible is the power that works in us who believe. This power is so mighty, it can neither be measured nor resisted. There's simply no human power in existence to compare to it. The, the Apostle Paul went on to say that it is the same mighty power which God wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead. Paul was making it emphatically clear that no power has ever equaled or rivaled the power that was required for, the Christ, for Christ's resurrection. It was the greatest manifestation of power that the universe has ever witnessed. It literally seized Jesus from death's grip, raised Him back into His body, then continued to lift Him up through demonic principalities, powers, might, and dominion until He was seated at His throne at the right hand of the Father. No power in hell or on earth, no principality or power in the heavens was able to resist this demonstration of divine energy. What a thrill to realize that God doesn't put a small dose of power inside us who believes. He's placed the power of His Son's resurrection in us. It is a power that utterly eclipses any other power. It is full, boundless, measureless energy, so mighty that no evil power can resist it. And to think, God has made it available to those who believe. Now that's something for you to think about, he says. Now listen. I want you to leave with this. I'm not quite done, but I want you to listen to this statement. In fact, how many of you here today would say Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior? then you have no excuse. I have no excuse. If you're a born-again child of God, you possess the same resurrection power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. This power is greater than any demonic power and can be exercised through the name of Jesus. But you know, we need to renew our minds to that every day. Now, let's look at the power of God in, in a couple ways and how it was is used in the life of a believer. Look at John chapter 1. John chapter 1. I want you to see the connection between the power of God and salvation. John chapter 1, verse 12, it states, But as many as received Him or received Jesus, to them He gave the right or privilege to become children of God to those who believe in His name, who were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. When you and I made the decision to believe, say believe, in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, this explosive, dunamis power of God was imparted to us. That's when you and I received that power. See, you've got to realize, what happens is, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5.17, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. 
old things are passed away, behold, all things become new. Amen? Scripture says we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Workmanship in the Greek implies a work of art. You know, we have the statement, you're a real piece of work. You are. You're a work of art. I'm a work of, I look like one today, don't I? Somebody says, they, they look at me in shock and amazement. I said, I either look like a preacher or an insurance salesman. I can sell you a good policy. <laughs> Everlasting. <laughs> You've got to see how God was at work with His power when you were born again. Romans 1.16 says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Say that. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. What's it come down to? I'm a bottom line guy. It comes down to, do you believe? You're going to believe something. Good or evil. Amen? Bad or good. You're going to, you're going to do, believe something. And when you made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, you believed that was the instant you were recre recreated on the inside. Powerful. Then you need to realize this. You and I should never be intimidated by anyone who opposes the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because we have His power and His strength within us. I like this scripture. It says, greater is He that is in us than he that is in the world. And you need to remind yourself of that. There's days I don't feel like I'm even born again. I don't feel anything. But see, a lot of Christians have to get emotional and feel something. True faith is you believe God's Word. That's it. Whether you... I like goosebumps. There's times I pray and I cry. I understand that. But you can't live your life like that every day. Because you're going to be up and you're going to be down. You're going to be up and you're going to be down. You have to stand on the Word and what the Word says. Matthew 10, 19, it says, But when they deliver you up, do not worry about what you will, should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak, for it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of the Father who speaks through you. So we don't need to be intimidated by a woke society. We don't need to be rude, and there's times I have been, and I'm learning. How about you? Because sometimes things just really grate me. Oh, don't look at me. Oh, I thought my pastor was perfect. No, you're looking at an imperfect vessel. You're looking at a 65 and I'm still a work in progress. How about you? Amen. What? What did he say? Oh, I thought it was my son. I'm used to the son. Now, Rich, you keep quiet. I love you, Rich. Then, the, the, the last thing, we could go on and on, but I want you to, because this is the most important, this is really, well, the new birth the most important. This is the next most important thing. The power of God comes to live in you and, and recreate you. You're born again, new creation in Christ Jesus. But then, say then, he gives you and I the power to be an effective witness. Effective witness. Amen. Luke 24, 49, Jesus says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. We need that power from on high. There's a lot of well-meaning, there's good Christians out there born again and they have the character and then I know a lot of Christians that are born again but there's there's the lack of character and yet they want they want to move in the gifts of the spirit but you've got to develop this first but I'm saying what I started to say a lot of Christians they don't go any farther than being born again our body's the temple of the Holy Ghost. You're born of the Spirit, but then there's the Spirit that comes upon you in Acts chapter 2. 
where you're filled with the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit. Amen? 1.8 says, Acts 1.8 says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Look at Acts 4. I do want you to see this. Acts chapter 4, verse 32. If you've been listening the last few weeks to me preach from my heart, we've been on the subject of how we're going to go through a time of brokenness. If you're going to do anything for God in the days ahead, then you must be broken. Because the anointing only flows through broken vessels. I don't know if you can get the message from Friday night or not. I don't know if it was recorded or not. Was it? I suggest you listen to it. I want to be used of God in the days ahead. But I realize when I look at myself, there's times you just think, dear God, how can you use me? (laughs) But you renew your mind that the greater one's in you. You have His grace, and His grace is sufficient. And you have the Holy Ghost, for your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. Acts 4, this is the early church. It says, The multitude, verse 32, of those who believed were of one heart, one soul, neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own. That's really nice, isn't it? No selfishness. But they had all things in common, and with great what? And great power, dunamis power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them. I want His great grace. I want to see His great power. But, but know this, folks, the most important thing is that you know Him first. Know Jesus. Amen. Look at, I'm almost done. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians. Say, I have His resurrection power. In me, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Amen. 1 Corinthians 2. Well, let's start with verse. Let's start with uh, verse 1. It says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you. Now listen, except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul, the Apostle Paul, dealt with the demonic forces of pagan cities. Amen? And this is how he dealt with them, by demonstration of his Spirit and God's power. We've all been believing and crying out for, and we want to see God's power manifested. I want to see it. Amen? The Bible says, I I think it says, these signs shall follow them that believe. Cast out devils. Speak with new tongues. Amen? Lay hands on the sick. That's power. That's power. We need to begin to, to, to have a desire birth within us for demonstration of the gifts of the Spirit. If you don't have the hunger and the desire for the supernatural, you're, you won't see it. 
It's that simple. And the preacher can't be the only one that has that hunger and desire. It's going to take supernatural ability and the gifts of the Spirit in the days ahead. You know, you, we, we come to Patriots United and we talk about, about going to the school board. Going to the city council. But when you go, why don't you pray beforehand that when you stand and you're able to say something, it's the Spirit of your Father that speaks through you. He'll give you the tongue of the learned to know how to speak a word in season. Your speech will be with grace, seasoned with salt. We've got to learn in the days ahead how to put a pull on God and cry out for the supernatural. If you want to see people saved, then cry out. You want to see them filled with the Spirit, then cry out. You want to see them healed and delivered, then you've got to cry out to Him. You have not because you ask not. We've got to start asking. We've got to start believing that our God's a God of power and might. Amen? One more Scripture. Luke chapter 10. Let me read it to you in verse 17. Jesus said, then the seventy are returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority, power, to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power, say all the power, of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. I want to close with this, and um, Blanks was so gracious to give me some books, and I'm reading them. His name's Chad Gonzalez. I'd like to have him. I think he'd really be very good. But let me read to you this. It's a devotional, and it's entitled, What's in Your Holster? John 5.43 says, I've come in my Father's name and with His power. Have you ever noticed how bold Jesus was? Jesus was not some wimpy little weenie. Jesus was a man's man. You've heard me say that before. Everywhere He went, He exuded confidence. Jesus was extremely confident and bold because He knew what He possessed. See, it's important that you know what you possess. I've driven my truck for 65, some thousand, 70,000 miles and found there's another feature on there I never knew was there. And I feel pretty stupid. My boys would just say, ah, that's dad. He says, when I was in college, I had a friend who delivered medical supplies to homebound patients. One day he had to go into the Fifth Ward of Houston. If you don't know about Houston's Fifth Ward, let me tell you something. Parts of it are an extremely rough and dangerous place. Well, my friend drove into this particular project in the Fifth Ward, starting getting, getting to get the packages out of the van. As he was walking past some of the houses to get to the homebound patient, he noticed this large man across the street wearing a long overcoat. At that moment, the man opened the overcoat and revealed a sawed-off shotgun. Now, my friend was a pretty big guy and could handle himself in a fight, but he knew he had nothing to defend himself with, especially against a sawed-off shotgun. As they say on the streets, this man was packing some serious heat. My friend had nothing but a cell phone. Needless to say, my buddy dropped off the package and got out of there quick. What made that man stand there so boldly and confidently... What made my friend know that man meant business? Because that man was packing some serious heat. You don't mess with a weapon like that. That dude didn't have to say a word. All he did was show his power. See, I, it's Sunday morning. I'm just going to open my jacket and show you my Bible. What did you think I was going to show you? Well, what do you do when Satan opens his overcoat and reveals his trials and tests? 
What do you do when He reveals His sickness and disease? I tell you what I do. I pull the power of God out of my holster. When Satan shows his ugly head, you let him know real quick, I stand here in the name of Jesus and with power. I tell you, I've got more power in my pinky than all the power of hell can put together. You don't have to be a Barney Fife, one bullet wonder. Some of you, I grew up with Andy and Barney. You're loaded with power. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is dwelling in you. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is dwelling in you. When I walk in the room, Satan shrinks in terror. Why? Because the power of God just stepped into the room. It's just like, I've told you this story, but the life, some of you don't know who Smith Wigglesworth, he was an apostle of God back at the turn of the 20th century and died around World War II. Great men of God, people were raised from the dead in his ministry. But one night he was in his bed sleeping and he rolled over and there was Lucifer himself sitting there. Now how would you, how would I feel if I woke up and there's Lucifer he said, Smith Wigglesworth looked at him, he said, no, nah, it's only you, and rolled over and went back to sleep. He knew what he had. He knew the power that was resonant within him. Let's stand up this morning. Listen, if you don't leave today, I, I, I just, I'm just going to pray a little weak, pathetic prayer that maybe this message will get you through Tuesday. No, this is the way it should be. This is reality. Say this with me. I declare, I know Jesus Christ intimately and the power of His resurrection. I declare the same resurrection power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in me. I declare, I'm not ashamed of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And the Spirit of my Father speaks through me. I declare my speech and preaching are not with words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. I declare I have authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm me, hurt me, or harass me. Amen? Amen. Isn't there a song, I've Got the Power, or something like that? Can you, do you know that song? <laughs> every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Mike... I've never made the, the decision to ask Jesus Christ into my heart to be my Lord and Savior. And I've learned today He loves me. And it's my responsibility to get to know Him. I want you to know that God demonstrated His love. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. I want you to know today that God loves you. No matter how much you've screwed up, we've all screwed up. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God loves you. And He's got a destiny for you to feel. He's got a future for you. And it's bright. For He's given you His Son, Jesus. And when, if you've got His Son, Jesus, you've got the power and you've got the authority to get through every day of your life. Not just get by, but get over the top. You say, Pastor Mike, I want to make Jesus Christ my personal Lord and Savior today. I want to know if I were to die this instant, I'd go and be with Him in heaven. If that's you today and you want to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, just slip your hand up. I'm not going to embarrass you. Okay? If you're here today and you say, Pastor Mike, I've I've been backslidden. I've gone the other direction. Like the prodigal son. But I want to come back to the Father because I know my Father's arms are wide open to me and He'll receive me with love and compassion. I want to get my heart right today. 
Listen, folks, time's too short. I want to get my heart right today. I want to come back to God. Would you raise your hand? Pastor Mike, raise your hand. That gentleman right there, I'm going to have you go visit with him. Those two people that raised your hand, I want you to go to the fellowship hall right now with him. And he's going to explain to you what you need to do and how you need to pray. Go on and you can go with him right now. Would you do that, please? If you've got kids, somebody will watch your kids for you. If you can't go right now, then go to the fellowship hall afterwards and talk to him because he's got some material he wants to give you. Amen? Now, one other thing. Is there anyone here that's sick in your body? Sick in your body that needs prayer for healing? You're all well healthy. Father, in the name of Jesus, you said we could lay hands on the sick and they'd recover. I rebuke any viruses. I speak to that ear. I command an infection and the virus to go. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Charlie, you make me smile. Amen. There's days I just need to go knock on their door and say, Charlie, smile. Make me feel better. Look at your neighbor and say, I love you. I really love you with the love of the Lord. Amen. Father, I thank you for this day, for the word we've heard. I thank you, Lord, these are a blessed people. Because, Lord God, they have knowledge of who they are in Christ and the fact that resurrection power resides within them. Now I pray even this week they'll release that resurrection power to those who are in need. In Jesus' name. And everyone said Amen, Amen. Anything else? God bless you. Go eat some ham.